Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And today I'm joined by Opti, the developer of Subversion. Welcome. Hi. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing really good, actually. Matter of fact, I woke up a little early today, but I got good night's sleep. The, the week of Kickstarter stuff has just been crazy, but oh, so I'll, take, you... I'll take I'll take sleep when I can get it. <laughs> I I I I I try to get a nap a day. I'm not always successful, but I try to at least sneak away for a little one here and there. I need it, my body, but I, I'm up so early every day. I feel like I don't even get eight hours sleep even doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I feel like my sleep schedule has completely reversed since uh, since high school. <laughs> I now I now stay up very very late, and if I wake up, you know, if I wake up before twelve, I suppose that's a that's a productive day. Excellent, excellent. So Subversion is out right now crowdfunding. Is that yeah. on Kickstarter, correct? Yep, it is on Kickstarter. Yep, uh, we launched Tuesday, which is the 21st, and we're sitting at, I think, 360% funded last time I checked. So uh, it's doing pretty well. We're, we're super excited, but always looking for, for more, more folks to get the word out to. So what is Subversion? Because when I hear Subversion, oh, I think something... That's subversively. That's kind of frightened. Frightened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so, uh, the 10 second pitch is uh, in subversion is a role playing game. And, and in this game, you are an envoy of your community, which is uh, somebody who acts as a sort of representative or an ambassador or problem solver. And you're basically going to be using direct action to serve and save your community in this cyberpunk fantasy world of Neo-Babylon. Direct action? What is, that's an interesting term to use there. Uh, could you elaborate, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So, yeah, that's purposeful. Basically, direct action in, in the wider context, right? The reason we use that word is the idea of not relying on governments or corporations or whoever else, right, uh, outside of your own community to do the things that your community needs done. So if your community needs something, if it's beneficial to your community to have something done, or if it's going to uh, bring health and happiness and joy, then it's up to you, the, the community members, to do it, right? So you you directly do it yourself and not wait for anybody else to do it for you or sort of wait for the very long arc of justice to maybe <laughs> trickle into the government's, right? Like you you sort of take matters into your own hands. I, I think that we would do a, a OT 101, like little mini trainings at one point in time, organizer trainings. And, and the way we would, we would present the concept of direct action is by uh, comparing it to the concept of petition to authority, where in, in cases where you petition to authority, you, you maybe hold up a sign and say, I don't approve or something like that right. in the street or so you're petitioning to authority often for many things. If you got to petition to authority and wait for them to do it, it's probably not direct action. Right, <laughs> it requires right, right. the person above you to take the action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, so like personally, there's, there's sort of dual power like that. I, that I subscribe to where you get what you can done, right? If, mm -hmm. if the government is willing to do the right thing, Sure. I'll, I'll yeah. take I'll take some <laughs> small steps, right, to like sort of throw that bone in there. But also, I'm not going to wait around for that to happen, right? So subversion is our attempt to sort of do well, subversively train people into thinking <laughs> uh, that they need to start doing stuff on their own for their own communities, right? So it's not just a role playing game; it's it's full of uh, it's full of training material. 
Training material. <laughs> is it training material or is it propaganda or does the difference make a difference? <laughs> well, like, it's like like one of my friends says, right? It's only manipulation if it's bad. Otherwise, it's leadership. Um, <laughs> I but, that. but yeah, no, we're 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 absolutely trying to to um we're we're not doing this in a vacuum, right? Like this mm -hmm. isn't a neutral game, right? This game is absolutely anti-authority. This game is absolutely pushing back against corrupt governments, right? For I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up on a tangent here, but like the, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the um, the cops in the world of Neo Babylon, where Subversion takes place, are called Lawjacks, and like the Lawjacks, you know, in, in in our world, right? The the cops are supposed to serve and protect, right? But it rarely goes that way. In Subversion, the Lawjacks don't even pretend to serve and protect right like they're there to their their mission is to protect the assets and the wealth of the elites and they don't punish uh people for doing things wrong or breaking the law they only punish people who can't pay the penalty for breaking the law right so the the wealthy elites are able to do whatever they want because they can pay the penalty for breaking the law but it's the the poor folks and the folks on the margins that end up uh having to pay or not being able to pay and they get sent to purgatoriums to work off their debt to society, which ends up hurting the communities more and keeps the elites in control. So we are we are absolutely making statements. We're absolutely pointing fingers and we're doing it uh, with a metaphor. <laughs> and, well, and I, I think there's a I think there is some kind of uh, misunderstanding at a point that our worldviews do necessarily show up in the things we create and the things yeah. we write and influence what we do. I think mm -hmm. it's important to be able to say, hey, these are where I'm influenced and acknowledge what the biases and, and, and things are that we have that we're in that we're working with yeah. and be able to acknowledge it at the end of the day. And that's that's yep. not a bad thing because everybody has those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Frank and Unicorns as a company uh, was founded. I mean, I don't know if I can just say this out loud. Yeah. Like, uh, founded as a sort of anarchist principles. <laughs> right. Uh, so everything that we do, uh, you know, tries to have flat leadership. We try not to coerce anybody. We try to make sure we pay workers fairly and, um, you know, give them what they're worth. And so it's, it's, and where possible, by the way, to to own the labor that they produce, right? So if if, the, if they're interested in having royalties, you know, and getting chunks of what we make, like that is absolutely on the table for every single contract uh, that we sign. So we're trying our best, right? Like it's it's hard, <laughs> it's hard within a capitalist framework to to do anything. Yeah, that, it is, is. that is purely, <laughs> you know, that is that is purely like how we believe. But uh, we're we're trying our best, and again, putting our whole throat into making this game with all of the goals and the values that we have uh, for ourselves well i've got a couple questions about the game so i'm i, I like my sci-fi stuff i'm a fan of it now this seems to be like you're making sort of a, a sort of something that's uh let's say shadow run-esque in a way why would we want to do this as opposed to just pick up the old shadow run and play that? yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's that's actually a fair question one we get all the time so um a lot of the developers of subversion actually write or have written or developed for Shadowrun officially as well. And I think one of the things that you'll notice right away if you played Shadowrun before, which, you know, uh, for those of the listeners who don't know Shadowrun, it's essentially another cyberpunk fantasy role-playing game that's been around for about 30 years. But in Shadowrun, 
you are essentially a mercenary for hire, working for corporations, fighting other corporations, and the basic sort of gameplay loop is you will go out there and do some awful shit for money, and then you'll upgrade your your magic, or you'll upgrade your cyber arm, or you'll upgrade your weapons, and go out and you know do awful stuff on behalf of corporations to get more stuff, to get more you know power, to get more money, right? And that gameplay loop. Uh, over time, even if it has some sort of keywords in it about uh, fighting the man, about, you know, badness of capitalism, right? Like the the gameplay loop doesn't reflect that. <laughs> the yeah, game, the gameplay, money. Right. The gameplay loop uh, basically doesn't help anybody but yourself. Right. And so it doesn't really matter some of the times like what keywords show up in the game. It matters you know, what your characters end up doing and what they have the ability to do as a role playing game, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, the roles you end up playing will sort of you know, um, skew what you, what you get out of the game. So in subversion, you're not mercenaries at all. Um, and you're not working for shadowy employers, Mr. Johnson's to you know, work on behalf of corporations, right? Corporations in Shadowrun, like there's like the big 10 corporations and, there's entire books written about like the personalities and the corporate structures of these big 10 corporations. And we just thought like, man, the more you do that, the more you're focusing on the corporations, right? The more that you're making them the focus of the game, the focus of the sort of uh, the world. And we just thought like, if we're going to focus on the players and if you're going to focus on the people, if you're going to focus on the critique of capitalism and the you know critique of the corporations, then you really can't focus on them. You've got to focus down below on the people that are being affected by it. So in in subversion, you're acting as an envoy, like we talked about earlier, people who have been sort of elected or uh, appointed by their communities themselves to take direct action. So you're not just doing mercenary work. You're not kidnapping people or assassinating people or, you know... Um, <laughs> I mean, I suppose you could, right? If your community's like, this guy's got to go. Uh, but that's not really the main gameplay loop. But you're doing whatever it is that your community needs, right? So if there's a haunting right down down the street at Old Man mm-hmm. Johnson's house, right, you're going to take care of that. If uh, there's a supply chain disruption and you don't know why, so you're going to go figure it out so that, you know, the restaurant can have tomatoes. Um, if there's a gang that's, you know, sort of uh, causing problems, then you might take care of that, right? So there's any number of different things that you might do you might even, you know, be uh, uh, appointed to go to the government and represent them. You know, it, it just depends on what your own community wants you to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so the gameplay feels different. And when you, in, in Shadowrun, again, like what, what you get from the mission is is money. In Subversion. Individual improvement versus the improvement of the community, perhaps? Yes, is a yes. Way to frame that. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely right. Right. So in, in Subversion, your community can actually get built up, right? You can build libraries for your community and you can actually feel the effects of building libraries. You can, you know, uh, hire doctors, right? Like either official doctors or, you know, street doctors or whatever. And the way that you get the uh, the fortune, right, or the, the ways to do that is your characters need to be true to their own values and the values of the community, right? So it's not just go do whatever, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, the, the ends don't justify the means, you know, you have to be the people that you want to be, as well as doing what your community needs. And that balance is sometimes hard. You know, the the idea that everything has a price, right? Like, what are you willing to give up? in order to meet your goals versus, you know, you know, at what point do you stop being you and your ideals sort of go away as you try to 
you know, improve yourself or improve your community. So we're, we're trying to flirt with a lot of important stuff, but I think, I, when I you like sit, that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think when you sit down at the table and play, like, you know, those things are not going to be, you don't have to keep all of that philosophy <laughs> in mind, right? You can just sit down and play a fun game. But I think in the, in the things that happen in the way that it unfolds over well, time, you'll sort of like be influenced by that. That's our hope anyway. We've had this discussion on the show a few times in other places. It's been like, what would an anti-capitalist role-playing game look like? Now, Nora, Nora Rose was on here, and she said something. That there are no anti-capitalist role-playing games. They're all situated within capitalism. We had the whole yes. discussion there. But I think at a point, there is the element of what it is you gamify and make make the objective of a game. If your objective of the game is to gather gold and loot and to do- dominate over by creating your, your kingdom beneath you and stuff like right. that, that changes things greatly as opposed to making your objective to uplift your community, I feel. Yeah. So I feel there's a good distinction to make there, and yeah. I appreciate that. And not to say that I don't want to play a dungeon delving game where I have to gather up bars of gold or something. That's yeah. cool. I'm down. <laughs> I mean, like I, I also would say, like it, it is a mild pushback because I do think that, you know, in the midst of capitalism, we're all influenced by it. Oh yeah. Um, but, but like you know, Marxist theory, like we are not back the capitalists, right? I don't own the means of production here, right? I, I'm not. I don't have the 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 machines out back that are pumping out. You know, the I have to, I have to pay somebody right, to do that for me. And like, as of yet, like, we don't make money. And when we make money, we share it, right? So you can not be a capitalist, right? And you can still make a a an anti-capitalist game. And, and, and if you do so in the midst of capitalism, that's subversive, right? Which is, again, what we're trying to be, right? We're trying to sort of use the trappings of capitalism where we can, if we have to live here, we're going to use that to push back and to poke oh. at capitalism itself. Yeah, I mean, like when I say things like I, I I'm anti-capitalist, it doesn't mean that uh, I'm not going to stop going to the grocery right. to get my food because that's how I have to get my food. That's the society right. we live in. I it, right. it's, you know, the idea is that we should be able to do something better. We can do something better. Mm-hmm. We need to look at different avenues. It doesn't mean I have to. St- I get to stop going to pick up my groceries right. at the grocery store. I still got to eat. And I still got to pay the bills and everything else. Yeah. I got to participate to get by. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true, right? And and since capitalism is what we have, and since it's been going on for so long, since all of our systems right are dependent on it, if even if we flipped the switch and got rid of all the capitalism, you know, and and redistributed the wealth right now, like that would bring about a lot of chaos and and harm if we just flip the switch right now and, and tried to implement, right? So there's going to be a, a transitional phase out of, of whatever we have now and into whatever comes next, into whatever uh, our next steps are. I, that's not what I love, right? It's not going to be what I want, but <laughs> I'm willing to sort of work for it if that's what it takes. And I'm willing to be, you know, a small yeah. part of it in my little area, right? To sort of change hearts and change minds and, and you know, love people the way I can along the way. That's... You know, I, like I, I don't want to make appreciate that. I don't want the I, best to be the enemy of the good, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear that. It is. I have an ideal. I I consider myself an anarchist communist, and there's an ideal world I live in. Does that mean that I'm gonna like 
scream and yell if they all of a sudden implemented universal basic income. Like, no, I got to feed these kids up there. Hey, that's a small step, right? Like, that's that's cool. If the government accidentally does something good, I'm not going to yeah. complain about it. Yeah, I don't see a lot of that going on most of the time. <laughs> right. Ohio here, my governor's collecting big fat paychecks from, from BlackRock for the railroad companies they own as there's crap seeping into the environment, yeah. blowing up trains. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of my um one of my values, uh, you know, not 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 just of my characters, but one of you know Opti's values is being honest, right? So if my critique of capitalism is honest, right? If I'm not going to lie and pretend that capitalism is good, when when somebody does good, right? If it's a politician or whatever, I'm going to call that out as good. I'm not going to say that they are good. Right? I'm not going to say that <laughs> their their position is good or how they got there or what they're how they're doing it is good. I am going to say like, hey, if universal basic income is something that redistributes wealth and allows people to eat, then yes, that is something that's good, right? Is it is it the end goal? Is it what we want? Ultimately, I don't care, right? But like right now, right, that is better than what we have. And I think it's important to to call out the tr- the you know truth when it's when it's not convenient for us as well as you know when it it sort of serves our agenda right truth is true oh, yeah and, i agree completely yeah. and, and and there is definitely the argument that's been made that universal basic income is the next step for preserving capitalism but that's another, right. story for another time no that's that's, that's absolutely true it, it capitalism is, is in crisis right now and unless away. they do that right yeah unless they do something right they're going to lose everybody's ability to consume commodities yep I mean, we can we can talk about that all day let's but, yeah. talk about dice as a commodity what's the system look like for subversion well it's uh, a bunch of d6s so hopefully you won't have to buy anymore <laughs> you have hopefully have a bunch sitting around your house they're the people's dice is what we've yeah. what we said here before a few people yeah. have, been, have been declared the people's dice the d6s and the d6s and the people's that. dice i love that right? <laughs> everybody's got access to them yeah for go, the most go, part <laughs> go take go, go take your old board games and uh, <laughs> rob them to play some version but yeah, the, the subversion uses a, a D6 system, which to my knowledge is unique. Um, although somebody had said that uh, they remembered a game from 25 years ago that used something similar. But I, I can't <laughs> I can't verify I promise, that. I promise you that the <laughs> mechanics for games, as diverse as they can be at this point, there is something similar out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it uses a, a D6 system where um, the number of ranks that you have in a particular skill are the number of dice that you're going to roll when you use that skill, right? So if you have um, three dice in... I don't know, climbing a rope. It's not that it's not that fiddly, but <laughs> if you have if you have three dice in climbing a rope, then you'll use uh, or sorry, three ranks in climbing a rope, then you'll use three dice to climb the rope. Um all the way up to nine, right? So you could be like the best rope climber in the world. You could roll nine dice and you only keep the highest three. Right. So you'll you'll roll however many dice you have, you'll keep the highest three, add those up, and then that will be your result, which you'll compare to uh, a target number. So at that point, it should feel pretty close to to D and D, except in, instead of rolling a D twenty, you're rolling you're rolling the D six. Yeah. And if you if you succeed, then you know you did the thing. If you succeed by five or more, that's a dynamic success, and which does you know double the uh, progress or double the damage you're trying to do. Or if you uh, get all three sixes on your kept dice, then that's a critical success, which does triple the progress or damage that you're oh, intending to Nice. So when it comes to, I, I like a D6 system more, and more and more I've become more fascinated with it. Like there's the Year Zero engine, and then there's GURPS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For starters, is two of the yep. big iconic D6s. 
So I'm a I'm a big fan of those types that that type of game. I like the mechanic; it's pretty good. Um, I've got a question though about the setting itself for Subversion. It seems that you've got this a little more like it's not just a generic setting. Am I correct? It's not just hey, use this to play this style of game, but there is an actual implied setting and lore and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So the what we hadn't talked about so far is. It's um it's a fantasy setting that has been advanced about twenty five hundred years, right? So if you can imagine, you know, Dungeons and Dragons instead of magic coming back into a cyberpunk world, right? Instead, we imagined like what would it be like if the Dungeons and Dragons had just been sped up twenty five hundred years? Like surely they wouldn't just remain as they were. But it's it is set more or less in a version of Earth, uh, but in this version of Earth. Uh, magic had al- always existed, and the kingdom of Babylon, or the, the Neo-Babylonian kingdom, which is like 600 BCE or so, they were the ones who sort of were the first to um, uh, industrialize magic, right? To use it on a big <laughs> scale to, you know, so they, they created a, a magical military industrial complex and uh, used that to sort of have an outsized influence over the world. So uh, Babylon culture and Babylonian gods and uh, Babylonian religion sort of took over and implied their cultural force over the world. And so Neo-Babylon, the setting for Subversion, is basically a world that is cyberpunk and fantasy, but also infused completely with a sort of Babylonian theme and culture and religious icons. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So where, uh, with the, I'm assuming that faction-wise and everything else, we're looking at these different companies, corporations and whatnot. Can you give us a little more of an insight there on some of what we'd be looking at of the conflicts that are arising out of that kind of thing? The idea is that the people with magic, um, and magic is a sort of metaphor in our game for money and, and wealth, right? So the people with magic have been in the ruling class you know, for the last 2,500 years. Uh, and and Neo Babylon is ruled by a council of mages now, right? Like basically, they've set the world up so that um, only the people with magic or only the the sort of powerful houses or the powerful individuals have any sort of elite status. But now, with technology sort of ramping up and becoming more of a player, technology is actually uh, balancing the playing field between the magical haves and have-nots. And for the for a while, right? Like the dream. Uh, of subversion is that the folks on the bottom will now be able to sort of fight back and, and level the playing field. But like along with that, right, is is the capitalism part, right? So <laughs> the the corporations have started to use technology, or maybe it's more fair to say that uh, corporations have grown alongside technology. Mm-hmm. And instead of sharing technology with everyone, they have started to hoard it, right, for themselves. And so now, uh, instead of technology making the world a better place, as it could have, Right. Instead, (laughs) instead, you have this sort of um, runaway technological unintended consequence of uh, corporations hoarding technology. And now you have instead of the the council, the the Ukim Council of of Mages running everything. Now you have a power struggle between the council and these corporations and the guilds and organized crime right now, instead of just one person, it's (laughs) fractured into a lot of different people fighting and still regardless nobody <laughs> is looking out for the little guy right nobody's looking yep. out for the worker right so that's that's that sort of happen. uh <laughs> that's yeah sort of right reflects right. reality yeah so that's why direct action right nobody's <laughs> yep. gonna help you <laughs> you have to take it for yourself we gotta take care we gotta do it as a community your folks exactly. get your folks together I, I, and i i one thing is that i've I, 
uh, conflicts like I'll, I'll be honest, I have a couple like historical conflicts I always go back to for games mm-hmm. for inspiration, being like the Spanish Civil War or the things that previously happened in Rojova and stuff like that. What's interesting within those real world conflicts are the variety of different factions which were involved in the fighting there and how they overlapped, conflicted and everything else. That's always been a fascinating thing for me when it comes to running games. So yeah, that's some of the way you, you specifically have those factions set up. It sounds like with the actual real with real world drives that drive yeah. these these things. I could definitely run with that and do something with it. So it's it's funny. It's funny that you say that. Um, if it, it makes you feel like you've looked at our lore, but I know there's no possible <laughs> way that you could have since I just sent you this stuff last night. Part of what we did in trying to create a world that feels lived in, right? That has a sort of verisimilitude. Is that the word? I don't know. Uh, I'm using a big word to make myself sound <laughs> smart, but um, it sort of make it feel lived in and make it feel real. Is you know, as we started 2,500 years ago, right? Where the sort of divergent point is for our world and how do you create a world you know of 2500 years of stuff that like how would you, how would you know what this world would look like so what we did was we sort of um had real world touch points right so like the wars particularly and the sort of big cultural moments that happened in our world we sort of have analogs for those in oh, nice. subversion right so you will find that like yes there were some wars and yes they don't immediately sound you know um uh, they don't you sound recognizable but if you look <laughs> if you ask yourself like what were the big points that happened here you're like oh that sounds an awful lot like this war right so there's sort of corollaries to our world and as a result instead of having to come up with those you know painstakingly year by year what would this world look like we just sort of assumed that if we have some sort of cultural touch points that happened like the real world we'll get a world that is close enough to ours right that it feels similar that you don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel for a lot of this stuff so we also agree that uh, a lot of the reasons for wars in our fantasy world would also be the reason for wars in the real world i appreciate that that's that's interesting and and i'm i'm already against the next war i'll just say that but hey, anyways <laughs> whatever it is i'm against it yeah. i'm against that war too <laughs> now, i we're coming really close on time. I'd like to real quick. We got a few more minutes. Could you tell the listeners? I'm curious. I'm curious myself. Yeah. How you got into role playing games? Where you got your start? What what kind of stuff you've played over the years? And how you went from playing them to I'm going to put out subversion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got started in D and D like way way long ago. Um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking like third grade, and, and third grade for me was you know back in the '80s. So. <laughs> um, I play in the the D and D Red Box, uh, the old old school stuff. I played D and D pretty religiously. Had almost all the books, and then Second Edition came out, and sort of I don't know what you what you call it. We didn't call it anything back then, but I think the sort of Satanic Panic is is what they ended up calling it. Oh yeah, um, <clears throat> I, I, yep. I, <laughs> lots of memories so, with that. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't my parents that were like, "Hey, you got to stop pay, playing this." My parents were like happy to just you know give me books to get out of their hair. <laughs> so, uh, but my friends, like they all sort of, uh, you know, their parents were really upset by it, and you know, worshiping gods and oh no, magic and stuff like this. So we had a, the, the games fell apart, and and I couldn't find anybody to play with. So that sort of. Uh, went away for me for a while and in high school became uh, hard enough on its own without sort of outing <laughs> myself as a, as a D&D nerd. Uh, oh. And so I stopped playing for a little bit until um, later on in 
uh, in college, I met up with, uh, actually it was grad school, but met up with, uh, with a group of people. And I was like, uh, overhearing their conversation in, in a class and like, are you guys talking about Dungeons and Dragons? Like, yeah, we're going to start a game. And I was like, Hey, listen, I know you don't know me, but I would love to play. <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, sure. So we had, that was a D and D fourth edition. So I totally skipped third edition, um, uh, ended up playing fourth edition with these dudes. And then, uh, you know, along the way, like the Shadowrun was a game that like from my childhood that I had uh, really enjoyed, like the video games quite a bit. I had all the books, didn't ever play with anybody, but I just I ate the lore up and I loved the world. Um, and that the sort of D&D campaign we were part of came to a close. And I said, hey, what would you guys think about playing Shadowrun? Uh, and they were like, I never heard of it. I was like, great. I would love to run this game. You know, I'll, I'll figure it out. But then I went to figure it out and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not like D&D, right? Like. D&D has a history and stuff like that, but you don't really need it. Like nobody really cares about yeah. the history of D&D much, right? <laughs> um, I mean, some people do. I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to denigrate anybody who's like a D&D lorder, but like it doesn't have the same weight to it, right? You can just pick up D&D and start playing. You don't need to know the, the lore. Mm-hmm. But the Shadowrun, like the lore has been continuous since 1989 and it like affects everything in the game. So I thought like, oh man, my players need to know some lore. So I went back to the books. I thought, okay, I'm going to record myself you know, just making a little bit of a uh, a thing to share with my players so that they kind of get caught up on the world. And they were like, man, this is great. You should do this like for, for your, you know, you should do more of these things. So I recorded like three episodes and then I was like, what if, like, is there a podcast about this? Like, there's got to be a, a podcast about Shadowrun. Like, there's a podcast for everything. So I, I looked it up uh, and there was no Shadowrun lore podcast. And I was like, all right, cool. Here's my, I'm going to shoot my shot. And um, uh, made a Shadowrun lore podcast called the Neo Anarchist Podcast. And uh, it went like way better than I thought it possibly could. <laughs> and uh, I sort of leveraged that into meeting the folks that write Shadowrun. Uh, so I started writing uh, an awful lot for Shadowrun, uh, Shadowrun 5th edition, uh, Shadowrun. There's a group, there's a uh, book called Shadowrun Anarchy, which um, which which I, I, I take pride in the fact that that's, that's a name that they got from me. <laughs> like, what should we call this? I was like, I don't know. Any Shadowrun Anarchy? And they're like, hey, it's a great name. And I was like, subversion. <laughs> anyway, uh, I appreciate it. And then uh, ended up being a developer on Shadowrun 6th edition as well. But then um, in, in, if I'm being completely honest, like over time, um, working for a... The, the game itself, Shadowrun, wants to be subversive. It wants to push back on power, but it just can't get there, right? So the things that I was writing were sort of like for the Hooder faction, right? Like the Robin Hood faction, the, the A-team folks who were trying to do good. Um, but that always seemed to sort of be pushed to the marginalia of the, you know, of the game. So um, it became a little bit onerous for us to be working on a game with all of these ideals in our head where we weren't quite ever to sort of be able to have the effect that we were having and it felt just like working for a corporation that does things uh <laughs> that we that we play in the game right that would be the bad guys in the game it just it felt really weird to us so um we still sort of sometimes write we have friends you know mm-hmm. who are in that space and who write for Shadowrun so it's not like I don't have anything against Shadowrun as as such yeah. or or the company necessarily but we also thought that um you know like around ni- uh, 2019 uh, in the role-playing space, there was just like story after story of of some dude inappropriately touching somebody else or some dude taking advantage of somebody else or people not paying well or people harassing people or hate speech. And I was like, what the heck is happening to the role-playing <laughs> space? Why it, it shouldn't be like this? So we just thought like, we, we can 
we might not make the absolute best games in the world. We're certainly not going to make the most games, but like, what if we made games as a company that were just like, we were just cool as shit to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. right? What if we were the people that we wanted to, to be and to play with and to have making games in the space and along the way, you know, maybe we can throw our values into it. So that's sort of how we got into it. And subversion is sort of culmination of, um, you know, four years of, of planning for that kind of thing to happen. I really appreciate that. It's a, I, I do. I do. And we're about on time. Could you tell the listeners a bit about what they can expect on the Kickstarter currently and maybe where they can find you online, follow you and check your stuff out? Yeah. So uh, Subversion will be kickstarting uh, until March 22nd or so. 25 bucks will get you the PDF and 60 bucks will get you the hardcover when it comes out. But if you just want to check the game out and you don't want to pay us at all, you can uh, head to the uh, Kickstarter page and download it for free in the second update. We <laughs> believe in it so much that, you know, information wants to be free anyway. So go ahead, and, <laughs> go ahead and pirate our book. We're making it available to you. And it's just a beta version, right? So it's not it's not finished. It's uh, It's got a lot of work left to do, but um, we're excited and proud to show off what we have done. Uh, so yeah, that's what you can get. You can check me out on Twitter at unicorn underscore opti or uh, the, the the company at Fragon Unicorns. We also have a Discord and on Facebook and all that kind of stuff where you can buy our stuff at fragonunicorns.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's been great getting a chance to talk to you. Man, thank you so much. This has, no lie, been my favorite interview that I've done so far. I'm glad to hear that. I appreciate it. That means a lot to me. I'm excited about that. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate no doubt. It. Thank you for coming on. I really like that. I'm excited about this. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We could really use support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Woo!